we'd like to invite you to join Plum and Black Rum Podcast for a very special Thanksgiving episode. Welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com, and I am here with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Uh, and we're back after a uh, a little bit of a hiatus. We took a little break um, after the events of Halloween, uh, and that was really unintentional. We didn't mean to take a break. What happened was we were trying to do an episode on the new Suspiria remake. Um, that we promised. Yeah. I mean, well, we didn't really promise. We kind of, um, I, I kind of hinted at it and I said, and maybe a bonus in our uh, Halloween episodes because I wasn't sure that we were going to be able to get to it. And it wasn't for lack of trying that we didn't get to it. Uh, it was literally that it is not playing around here. It's it's not like we're in this, here, here it is again, where our rural territory really comes up to bite us in the ass. Uh, probably people, people don't even realize this, but like sometimes... We don't get movies here. <laughs> uh, certain ones are just not available for us to see. Hey, A Star is Born? Not around here. Yeah, not not <laughs> not close to us. So, and and I I will say that you know it was about an we could have seen it about an hour away, but with our schedules and trying to get out there and stuff, it just it it didn't work out. And the only uh, show time being nine thirty at night. Yeah, the and the only show time being a, a late show. We and and the movie is two and a half hours long. We just never got around to doing it. So that was the reason why we took a little bit of a break. We meant to fill in that gap with Suspiria, and we just never got a chance to see it. So still waiting on seeing it. We we looked again. It's not playing anymore. So we're going to have to wait until it comes out on Blu-ray to actually see that film, which is unfortunate because we really wanted to do it when it was out. Well, luckily... Blu-ray releases now are literally within yeah. three months. Yeah, they're, they're they're very, very short-winded. It's so. not like in the old days when your kid's like, hey, you just saw that movie in the theaters? Gotta wait a year. And the weird thing about Suspiria 2 is that, like, I never, I haven't heard much about it at all. Like, f- from horror fans, from, from anyone, I haven't really heard much about it. it I, I haven't really know. seen one review for it on X when I was trying to look up for showtimes for it, and I... The, I think it was a New York Times review it's called it a bloated mess. Oh, okay. All right, well. <laughs> or something so, along those lines. So. I mean, so, like, that's the problem. Which makes, which makes sense. But. Yeah. But it, it, that's the problem is it's just that we were not, it's not around. It's like a limited release. We were not able to see it. Uh, so we will do it when we get a chance, but obviously it's not going to be anytime soon. So we had to supplement. We had to come up with something else. And uh, since we took so, much, so long of a break, we're almost to the Thanksgiving season. So today we set out the stuffing, the the turkey, the cranberry sauce, and we had a little Thanksgiving dinner with Dutch. The 1991 film, written by John Hughes, not directed by John Hughes, directed by uh, Peter Feynman, uh, and... His only other film is Crocodile Dundee. Is that... Did you look that up? That's his only other film? Did not know that. Uh, Here's another fact. Never really watched Crocodile Dundee. 
Neither have I. I, I don't, I've actually seen, I think, Crocodile Dundee 2 more than I've seen Crocodile yeah. Dundee 1. I just, <laughs> very in, that's a very interesting tidbit and maybe leads into the reason why Dutch isn't really well-known. It's not a very well-known film, well, especially being a John Hughes movie. Well, there's a reason why. I think out of all the John Hughes' films, he probably, after a while, like, let's, as he's lying on his deathbed just a couple of years after this, he's like, get the berry... Let them remember me for the Breakfast Club and Home Alone and and not this. You're saying that Dutch is not one of John Hughes' best written scripts? No. Um, and we'll talk yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, one of the things, though, with Dutch that I found uh, is that people just don't know what this movie is. And they don't even know, you know what it's about or anything. And I feel like the... Uh, the the cover of the film doesn't do it much good either because you really can't tell that much about the movie from the cover. It just shows Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry, who in this film didn't go by Ethan Embry. He went by Ethan Randall. Um, Just shows the two of them. Ed O'Neill has got Ethan Embry uh, tied up to a hockey stick and he's carrying him along. You really don't know much about what it's about. So you wouldn't really know that it's a Thanksgiving movie, and you probably wouldn't pick it to watch around the Thanksgiving season, but it is, in fact, a Thanksgiving movie, even though maybe some of the events in the film don't really represent Thanksgiving as much as something like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles does. Um, Cracking a beer right there. Spilled it all over as well. Nice job. But, uh, you know, I was just saying that, like, looking at the poster artwork for, uh, for Dutch... You can't really tell that it's a Thanksgiving movie. You can't really tell what I didn't it's even about. Know, I didn't even know that was a kid. I thought we saw he was holding a duffel bag. <laughs> well, if you look close enough, it is a kid. It's Ethan Embry. Who? Ethan Embry. Who? You know who Ethan Embry is. See, not, I mean, he hasn't had a whole lot. Not Macaulay Culkin. No, not... Yeah. We're, not, a, we're a year away from that. Yeah, Dutch does, um, does really sort of is a precursor to Home Alone in a lot of ways. Uh, I think this is kind of him, John Hughes testing, test like a pilot test of Home Alone, and then seeing like where he needs to kind of tinker and uh, change it to get, get it to work. Because he's probably like, I have this great idea for a Christmas movie, but I'm not really sure how it's going to go. So I got, I'll take like kind of some of the bits from it and basically reuse a bunch of planes, trains, and automobiles and... It'll be this movie for now. Yeah, like, and, and that's probably what he thought. He was like, you know, I got Home Alone. It's not really ready yet. Uh, we'll release uh, Dutch, and we'll set it around Thanksgiving, you know, because Thanksgiving's kind of like a write-off holiday. I mean, people celebrate Thanksgiving, but it's not big like Christmas. Well, I mean, Even in the 90s, Christmas was still sort of taking over Thanksgiving season. No. Not as bad as it is no. now, but it no. was. It no. was still... They were still meshing. I laughed so hard when a friend sent me a picture the other day of, like, every time someone mentions Christmas in November before Thanksgiving, Santa kills another elf. Yeah. And I, and I sent I uh, sent a message to someone who, like, just posted on Facebook, like, I don't care. I'm getting my Christmas decorations up. I'm in the spirit. I go, well, you just, Santa just killed another elf. And you're like, I don't care. And I go... My friends had them up for like a couple of weeks now. I'm like, you see, that's ten elves right there. Poor <laughs> Judy from the Santa Claus, dead, hanging from a tree now. In her hundred year yeah. hot chocolate, yeah, is recipes gone. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't mind Christmas encroaching on Thanksgiving, but I do think that's, I do. You know, 
you 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 might be right when you say that Dutch was sort of like a trial run, a test run for Home Alone. It feels like it, but I don't think it is because John Hughes never pre-planned his scripts. He always like yeah. sat him, sat down, wrote him in like a couple of days, and then that's it. And I think as we'll talk about, maybe one of the reasons why Dutch may not be as successful as some of his other films is because it does feel like it may have been written like hastily and not not really edited or anything like that. Sort of just churned out and then you know they they did the movie and that was it um and we'll talk about that in a second uh i do want to take a moment though to uh just do a little uh tribute to stan lee who passed away the other day um we decided not to do like a marvel film because we always do marvel films you know you know, i don't you're not really you know you don't want us to do another one when there's not a, I, I imagine that our listeners are have as much superhero fatigue as we do so they don't want to listen to another episode out of context of a, a release so i still can't believe captain marvel's not coming out until february yeah that kind of does blow my mind <laughs> with the way they tur- like pump them out and yeah. then like you know took a little break after uh avengers 3 but uh, I was hitting, you know, those nice witty one-liners to you after you uh, announced that to me. I'm like, Thanos was a little late on that one. Yeah, Family got him <laughs> after all that hullabaloo that happened earlier. I know. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, you know yeah, it's, I mean, and you know what? The guy was, what, 94 years old? Uh, 95. 95 years old. Lived a hell of a uh, life. That's a great life. Uh, did a lot of good in his life, obviously, as you can see by the tributes. And, uh, d- you World know. World War II veteran. Yep, World War II veteran. Uh, just so many different uh, inspirations that he's created through his works. Um, his body of work is immense. So that in itself is just a lasting legacy for for Stan Lee. And you know, obviously, we'll miss seeing some of his cameos. But apparently, he has a few filmed up already. So uh, insert where wherever needed. And uh, you know, I think they may have seen this coming a little bit, so they sort of. Started to yeah. stock up on cameos just so they had them in advance. Uh, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's a, it's unfortunate, but again, I seen I've seen some of the uh, the issues with living to be ninety five years old, ninety six years old. It's pretty horrible in some ways if you're not like in the best of health. So and it's hard to be at that age because we're not really meant to live that long. Exactly, <laughs> it's it's very difficult. So you know, 94, 95 years old. That's a great life, and you know now we can just basically celebrate Stanley for what he what he did, and you know who he was, and and uh, not really worry about like sort of the drama that sort of kept cropping up there at the towards the end of his life. So, uh, so again, we didn't we decided not to do you know a Marvel film, um, and instead go right on to Thanksgiving. But that doesn't mean he's not in our hearts, and we're not thinking about Marvel. As we uh, work our way towards Avengers 4, which is right now a three-hour cut. <laughs> initial uh, initial edits they are, could, are at three they, hours. They could honestly, if they decide to release like a five-hour film, they could do it. Oh, I'm sure they I, they could. I, I prob- They probably would do do like a Kill Bill and sort of split it into volumes, I would think. No, they, if they wanted to. You they, think they were just... No, go, go old school, like... Five hours. Like Cleopatra or we'll like an intermission. Lord, yeah. Have an overture, you know, a five minute card that just says overture on it. And then, you know, <laughs> halfway through the film, intermission, you go get your drinks and go take your bathroom breaks. And 
You get to know your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> like Sound of Music, you know. Yeah. You know. I, they could do it. They could even get away with it. Yeah, they could. I was thinking... Uh, they it's have, a risky venture. They have on Netflix now Sergio Leone's last film, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, which I've never seen and I've always wanted to see. But one of the things that have detracted me from watching it is because it's a four-hour-long film. Yeah. And as much as I love, like, Lawrence of Arabia, which is also a four-hour film, it's, again... I mean... It's hard to sit down for four hours and... It is. I tend to lose focus in, like, an hour and 45-minute film, like Dutch. So, <laughs> uh, you know, to sit down and watch well, a four-hour film... Well, Dutch loses focus, too, so... <laughs> to sit down and watch a four-hour film is, is definitely rough. It's been a long time since I've done it. Well, what four-hour films have you, like, watched? Probably not very... I mean, I don't think I... No four-hour films. I mean, I've done three-hour films well, before. the one time I tried Maybe to get you Rose to watch... Maybe Rose Red. Say, the one time <laughs> I tried to get you to watch The Godfather, you passed out, like, 45 minutes. I was sick. Yet. I was sick. Oh. Yeah. That's why. I was sick. I wasn't feeling well. Yeah. But... So, on to our beer today. On to our beer. We have a new beer in here. Um, Something we've been anxiously waiting for. Yeah, I think we may have talked about it on another episode before when we had yeah, we a, a different brew house pilot batch series. But uh, we do have the uh, Genesee. They call it their Dark Session Lager, their which short- is a Schwartz beer. Which they have on the can. Yeah, I have seen like conflicting like things how they they decide to reference this beer uh, on Untapped. They have it as like the uh, pilot batch, which is really not. Uh, this is not. Well, I think no, because they have two of them. They have oh, the... they have a Schwartz beer in the pilot batch series. As they well? have the no, they have the pilot batch Schwartz beer and then just pu- the Schwartz beer with this can, can design. Uh-huh. And I think the distinction is they probably originally released it in their brew house, probably to see how it was as doing. Is, yeah. Probably got really good reviews. Like, hey, that's really good. And they're like, let's do it. Let's and so now it. this is their main, you know, the main line. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen the can, it's really great. It's a guy with a nice thick beard and a pipe uh, holding a Schwartz beer in a... Well, uh, looks like he's got a ski pole in the Yeah, he's got a ski jacket and a ski pole on. So It's the same guy on their Oktoberfest and their Ruby Red Colts. Instead of wearing a, a you know, Lederhosen for Oktoberfest and their... His, uh... Riverboat captain outfit. Yeah, he's like you know, like he's like going out into the Alps for a nice you know skiing venture. I love the can. It's uh, first of all, it's classic. It really fits in with all the rest of the Genesee cans. Uh, it's got the nice snowflake design on it with snowflakes and diamonds. Um, and again, like you said, it Up really here f- for liberals. It's <laughs> <laughs> right, and it really fits with the the whole aesthetic that they've been doing lately of all of their like sort of winter releases and uh, seasonal releases. It fits that aesthetic really well. Yeah, I really, I really love it. I can. think they did a really good job of the can. And the beer itself is not, not half bad either in the in the can. Um, this one is a Schwartz beer, so... An underrepresented uh, style, at least around here. Not, yeah. Not very, you know, Sam Adams does it every now and then. Saranac, um, Black Forest, is probably, which is probably one of the best beers I've ever had, and also... A Schwartz beer. Yep. Um, I still believe it's part of their mainline collection where you can get all the time. Problem is, I don't ever see six packs of it and 12 packs of it anymore. It's kind of the same thing like their Adirondack Lager and Pale Ale. I don't ever see it at yeah, all they anymore. Like put them out separately. So, I mean, I don't, you know, so I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it's still considered a mainline thing, but they do usually put it in like either their German Roots Fall Pack 
and or their spring pack. Yeah. Um, but Sometimes it, they're winter, but not 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 often. But it's just, again, it's, so it's a style for the brewers around here that's kind of underrepresented, and it's a style I like a lot because it's, you get the flavor and body of a porter, mm-hmm. but the crisp finish of a lager, which makes it very drinkable. So you get that nice malty, roasted, coffee toffee notes to and it. And chocolate. And chocolate. Yeah. And but yet instead of being as heavy as a stout or a porter, it's much more drinkable, much easier you know which I was kinda of skeptical when I saw in the can that instead of saying just Schwarzbeer dark lager, it said session lager on it. It's like, uh oh. you know I don't know if I like the idea of it being more sessionable, but it worked p- pairs perfectly. This is like a a really good beer to drink, like when you're it's Christmas time getting some chestnuts over an open fire, getting ready to, you know, put the Yule log out. Yeah. You know, your friends are drinking rum and eggnog. You're like, that's a little too heavy for me. This is hearty, but I can keep up, keep the pace up with you. It's true. It is. It's nice and it's got a creamy consistency to it. Uh, Nice mouthfeel to it. Almost nitro-like. Yeah, nitro-like. Yep, for sure. Although it does not have a nitro widget in it. And, uh... You know, it at the end, it has a very nice roasted malt quality to it that really finishes it out. But with what you said, sort of a light finish as well to make up with that lager uh, style. And it does make it very sessionable. Uh, it's, it's um, I don't think it's like too light on the uh, ABV. I think it's about 5%. Um, but it's overall, like, not you're not going to, like, get super drunk on it from drinking a few of them at a time. Um, and that's great because you're right. It, it's perfect for something like, like what they show on the can for going out skiing, maybe being at the lodge, having a few going out for another ski sesh. That's not me. I've never <laughs> fucking skied in my life, but I can imagine those rich people being able to do that <laughs> and drinking Jenny Schwartz beer. Like Doyle? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't think he'd be drinking Jenny though. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, this has been a, uh, one of those beers that we've been looking forward to after we saw it, you know, sort of secretly announced on the Jenny Facebook page and, uh, it has finally come out and I think it's going to be a nice staple of the winter season. I hope so. Yeah. It's hard to find right now. We only got a few, uh, packs up here in our area and you said you got the last one that was around here for right now. Yeah. When I got out of work, I went and dropped the guy I give a, a ride to, um, and he lives by one of the bigger beer stores around here, which probably compared to a lot of people isn't that big. But it's usually where I go to get my stuff just because it's probably the biggest in the area. And after I dropped him off, I checked on my, because I've been checking on my phone like every day to see if it's coming, like when it's coming around on the Genesee website, like who's got it, because they have a beer finder on it. And I saw that they had it, and so I ba- double backed, went back to the store. And got there, and the guy knows me, and he's like, oh, I bet you're here to try that new Genesee beer. I go, yes, I am. You got it? He goes, yep. We Only one pack left today. And I go, great, I'm going to take it then. He's <laughs> like, yep, right in the back, you know. Which, and I think, and it's not like they probably sold a crap ton, because as I was telling Ryan, because Ryan goes like, wow, that's a lot to, that they probably went through. I can't believe that many people around here went through that. Usually when they get their uh, the new Genesee stuff, they only get like two to four cases of it to start with, and then after that, depending on how it sells, they'll kind of stock up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so it'll get stocked up and hopefully when, because I was talking to him about it, I said, yeah, when you get the Ruby Red Kolsch back in next year, you know, stock that shit up because I'm buying it by like the cases. I'm coming with a truck <laughs> and I'm stocking up for the summer because, you know. Yep. If you had a notice for, I can't remember what episode it was, but sometime in the summer, I can't praise that beer enough, but. This is one, too. You know, to be honest with you, now, okay, so now that Genesee has four staple seasonal beers, for the longest time, it's only the box. Since the 50s, it was only the box. came out in the spring. And then, it, two or three years ago, they introduced the Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. And then this year, for the summer, they introduced the Ruby Red Kolsch. And now, the Schwartz beer. Mm-hmm. How would you rank them? Um, well, obviously, I would put the Oktoberfest first, my favorite style. Um, then I probably would go Schwartz beer, and then the Ruby Red Kolsch, and then the Bach. That's my, that's my ranking. Only because I don't, you know, I prefer, like, the, the hardier styles to the lighter styles, so that's why. For me, it's the Ruby Red Kolsch, then this Schwartz beer. Mm. Then the Oktoberfest, and then their Bach. Mm. Um, which it hurts me because when I first experienced Jenny Bach, it was yeah, re- you love that. It was really good. Now, like when it comes out, I still, excited. I get I get like one or two twelve packs of it when it's out in spring, but it doesn't like you know. Yeah. it's just kind of eh, yeah. Yeah, you know? maybe you're just used to it. But the Got Ruby Red Colts, I I I can't tell you how much the, I, a grapefruit Colts just like. <laughs> Hit the spot and it was like the most perfect beer for the, the sweltering summer that we had, and th- and as much as I love their Oktoberfest, well, excuse me, had a burp there. Much as I love their Oktoberfest, it is also my favorite style of beer. That and like like a Belgian farmhouse ale. Um, as much as I love it, it's a good sessionable Oktoberfest, but it's got a kind of a certain. Um, tinny quality with the can in that one that doesn't appear in the other ones that kind of make it like off-putting compared to the rest i'm not saying it's bad but like now that i got all these other ones because this schwartz beer is like really good mm-hmm. and it's underrepresented i can get oktoberfest from a thousand different places true this is something new unique kind of like the grapefruit kolsch new unique and great and the Bach, as much as I like it, it takes a backseat just because of <clears throat> everything else. But they're all great, and I love them all. But yeah, they're all really good. Now we have something to look forward to every season. Now. That's right. That's right. Good stuff, especially now that fucking winter's coming <laughs> and that lovely nor'easter's about to hit us. Yeah, check out the uh, Jenny Schwartz beer. It should be out now, maybe in your area. Not sure, depending on where you live. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's get right into Dutch here. Uh, so I'll start off by saying that I caught... I thought, I thought you meant Fraser because that <laughs> our, our opening is the Fraser theme, right? <laughs> yeah, it does sound like it. <laughs> Toasted salads and scrambled eggs, but it's not. Is there it a... Also, what? Is there... A, is that the actual yeah. theme? Yeah, that's part of it, yeah. Oh, I just know, like, like, like the cold opening, like Seinfeld, like, where, like... Uh, like yeah, no, no, the, the actual like a, is is that. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I I yeah. was considering the cold. But it, you know, theme. you're right. The opening theme does sound like everybody loves Raymond as well. Like you're going to start a sitcom. 
Um, but it's not. It's why don't, the, you, uh, why don't you do a Brad Garrett impression? <laughs> do a Brad? <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah, you can't because you've done it before. Like he's like, wait. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't I, do I, it on demand. Laughing. I don't know if I can, but I mean, yeah, he just has that deep voice that it's actually fake. He doesn't actually have that that voice. But uh, uh, yeah, so no, it's it's not a uh, everybody loves Raymond episode or a Frasier episode, but it does signify the whole um, rich white person dynamic that's going on in Dutch. Oh, that party in the beginning. That is, is a uh, yeah. That's that like, is. So, so the funny thing is, is that like. Now I kind of equate jazzy music like that to uh, Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving dinner music. But it is that that party is like the richest and the whitest people who get together and they have they swirl their brandy around in their glasses. They were sitting you, by they, a fireplace. They were banding about words that, <laughs> yeah. you know, you as an English major, you're like, that's oh, right. Like, you're like, yeah, yeah. What is the word that the one that the lady, uh, Trounces uh, out when she's talking to Joe Beth Williams. I can't even remember now. Incredulous um, or something. Or yeah, in, in incredulity. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And yeah, that's that's like a nice little touch from John Hughes right there. Just kind of, you know, like look at what I know. Yeah. Well, not only that, but just saying like, look at these fucking people. You know, sitting here. Well, wouldn't you? It's like the most pompous. It is. It is like ridiculous shit show in the world. How is that? Fu- I would be Ed O'Neill in that situation. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a cracker. There's shit on my cracker. No, knock that in the ashtray. You know, yeah, right up. I know. I, just, <laughs> I do. Like, I I like that part where Joe Beth Williams is getting questioned about her new uh, new boy toy, basically. And she's, they're like, oh well, you'll have to point him out to us when he comes around. And she's like, oh, you'll know. We'll know who he is. <laughs> You know, because to you guys, he looks, you know, like a a, a deadbeat. But and, and the thing is, funny thing is about Dutch is that if you live in a town where there's like actual working class people, Dutch Dooley does not really look like a working class well, to be guy. Fair, they, they're in Chicago. True, true. As all John Hughes. True, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the funny thing is, is that like he doesn't look that, you know. He, I know. Down. Yeah, like when this, um when uh Dooley's like, not Dooley, uh, Doyle's Doyle. like, too many fucking There is a lot D's. of D, D words in this movie. A little yeah. alliteration going on <laughs> yeah. here. Um, yeah, when uh, Doyle, though, is like, and, uh, talking to Ed O'Neill, Dutch, he's like, um, you know, how do you know I'm working class? Like, I can tell by your shoes. It's not like he's wearing a pair of work boots or, you know, yeah, a pair of, like, New Balance. Like, he's like, oh, like, you know, everyone's favorite. That's a, how do you know your dad's good at grilling? You see those New Balances he's wearing? <laughs> Years of practice, you know. Yeah. No, he's he's wearing, like, you know, like a nice pair, at least what I would consider a nice pair of, you know. Uh, yeah, they're, like, uh, dress shoes. Yeah, he's wearing, he's wearing pleated pants. Loafers. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing working class about a pair of loafers. He also has really nice coats. Yeah. Peacoat yeah. and yeah. scarf. Yeah, and... the scarf is a really nice touch. I'll tell you what. Watch this movie about six or seven years ago, probably, on when I saw it on Netflix. Didn't realize it was a Thanksgiving movie. Turned it on. Really liked it. Uh, saw Ed O'Neill's scarf. And I said, you know what? I want to wear a scarf like that. And to this day, I've never really found one that sits on my coat like Ed O'Neill's scarf. Every time I watch this movie, I, I uh, look at it and I'm like, scarves don't do that. The physics of scarves, they don't work that way. 
Uh, so it does actually make me a little annoyed that I can never find a scarf like like Dutch's. But uh, yeah, that's that's always not sat well with me in this movie. But uh, what, yeah, so we, as you were talking, and about that, that opening too, where like before we even get to the party, like the. the Title, well, not the title card, but the credits and like the outside shot of the yeah. mansion, mansion, and the party. Yeah. Pre- definitely pre Home Alone, you know. Sure, sure. That's like, uh, th- and the funny thing is, is like Home Alone actually puts us in that that lifestyle, right? So like with uh, Kevin McAllister and the McAllisters, like that's normal for Kevin. Now, why is every John Hughes film involved just about like rich yuppies from Chicago? It's not like he grew up rich. Yeah, maybe he envisioned that lifestyle. I don't know. Well, I, I, can, I, can, I can tell you right now, um, no rich family, because um, the postcards, as we talked about way back when, the early days of the uh, podcast when yeah, we did when vacation, did vacation. Um, no rich family is vacationing in Little Falls, New York. <laughs> Not really. You know, Not- which is... a Piss away from where they, we live. They wanted to experience the uh, working class environment in a of run ca- a camping trip. That's of right, run, I was say a rundown mills on straight the, out of wrong turn. I was say the, <laughs> a rundown mills on the a Mohawk on yeah. the Erie Canal. I mean, well, I, I so I, I can't really say you know why he chooses to depict a lot of rich people because he does. I mean, like Breakfast Home Alone, Club, Breakfast play, Club, yep. Planes, trains, and all. Yeah, but I mean, you're really put in that position. Hell, of a, Chevy Chase is. I mean, he's you know considered like a working class schlub. Yeah, he's not. You never, know, it's like, like a, never. Yeah, never in any of the. And he doesn't do the same thing in any vacation movie. But like in regular vacation, he's not. He obviously has enough to at least take a cross country trip to Wally World, which you wouldn't generally do if you didn't have much much money. Uh, Christmas, and Christmas vacation, Christmas vacation he's yeah. like a pharmaceutical food designer. Yeah. So yeah, no, he's not doing that poorly. Uh, so yeah, all of them really aren't. Um, and we'll talk about the, I want to get into the Hughesian themes in a second, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we, actually the, the first part of the film, um, would you say like, does that work well for you? Is it slower pace for you? Or do you think like it get, really gets into the plot and, and sets up that dynamic between Dutch and, uh, Doyle? No, it's fine. The whole party scene is fine. I mean, it's te- it's tedious and just how pompous it is. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. I like, think though, I mean, it really it's, sets the stage it's, it's, for it's, Christopher it's, McDonald to come in and just be like, yes, with his mustache. Okay. So here's the problem with that: Christopher McDonald, one of the probably the most typecasted actors for sure. Um, unfortunately, because he is a great actor, but he's been. Typecast to all hell as like the ro- uh, as, honest, as the as the robber bear baron bastard. And the only movie I can think of that he was in that he wasn't that character is when he was in Leave It to Beaver as Beaver's dad. Uh, you know what I think they do is like when they have the the casting director come in and they just see on the on the uh, script <laughs> it says uh, you know mustache twirling villain. Well, no, they they probably read read the name Reed Standish and they were like. Okay, uh, smarmy, and they were like Christopher <laughs> McDonald. It was like a version of like name that name that. Uh, actor. But this is this is nineteen ninety one. Yeah, I know, I know. And but, so it's it's not like you know. No, it wasn't like he was already being you know really cast in all those you know those films. It, Happy Gilmore would have been later ninety five. Yeah, so. Not it, yeah. He, he looks, and as I told you, he looks old in this film compared to like down, like later films, like Dirty Work, 
Happy Gilmore, Leave It to Beaver, you know. I think it was the the white wingtips that do it. And the mustache. Yeah, and the mustache. He looks like he looks like a poor man's Tim Curry in this. Like, yeah, he does. Yeah. You almost like, expect like Tim Curry and like oh hi. Well, like, and oh. that's the thing too. Everybody that John Hughes uses sort of does resemble each other. So in this film, sometimes Ed O'Neill looks like Joe Pesci in Home Alone. Uh, sometimes Christopher McDonald looks like uh, Tim Curry in Home Alone mm-hmm, too. too. Right? So it's like he's using all those... The kid in this kind of looks like the low-rent Kevin McAllister. And the, Kevin! In Home Alone. It's like, oh no, it's that, that other kid that It's that other kid that snuck into the car. Uh, you, yeah, I mean, you've got the Molly Ringwald and uh, Home Alone mom. I can't remember her name. I never remember her yeah, name. Yeah, oh, I need uh, But... Uh, combined into one. Yeah. I know, yeah. With a little Sigourney Weaver. She does have a little Sigourney Weaver. Because her hair... With a little bit of the hair, it was kind of reminding me of Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters 2. Sure. Okay, <laughs> yeah. The only thing with that is that it's not a combination of the woman from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Doesn't really. No. She's also a redhead in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Just doesn't really resemble. By the her way, this we, one. a little off topic here, getting off the beaten trail. But uh, when they were in the diner, yes, and um, you know how like uh, you, Doyle was opening up the menu is stuck because of either sure, sure, either. You know, hobo jizz or maple syrup. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Was that Kathy Bates that was the waitress? No, that's the woman from... That's Berta from uh, Two and a Half Men, if you've ever watched that. No, no. That's, uh, yeah, that's the maid from Two and a Half Men. Oh, because no. she kind of sound like Kathy Bates. Yeah, not Kathy Bates, no, no. But, uh, that yeah, that was Berta from uh, Two and a Half Men, if you, if you caught that. But, no, yeah, so, yeah, we, uh... I, I guess we're yeah we kind of got off track here a little. That's bit, a little, but, but no, the it sets up it sets up fine. I'm fine with the whole pompous party because it makes you like okay yeah these people are fucking assholes. Yeah, which then makes you warm up the Dutch being the lovable scamp that he is. Yeah, I mean he's not retarded. No, they kind of make him try to seem like like oh he's like an idiot, but I think he's that's... he's not. It's more part of like he's trying to. It's part of his master plan, but. That's not the problem. The opening get into where, like, the setting up the premise is fine. It's what they do to get them get to the end is a fucking drag. That fireworks scene of, like, Ed O'Neill trying to impress Doyle with his fireworks that he got at the Tennessee gas station slash Las Vegas fireworks store. (laughs) And... That's like eight minutes of like him just goofing off in the car and the kid being like, you're not impressing me with your working man fireworks. I'm above this. Yeah. No, that Like that I, fucking I, takes forever. I, I agree with you. I think that I think that some of this film could have used a, a few edits because this, is, in this the is an hour and 47 minutes long. No, it should be an 80 minute film. Yeah, I think that, like, what you pointed out, fireworks scene definitely is uh, overly long. I think what they actually did was they allowed, they probably allowed Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry sort of free reign to do a little bit of uh, improv, especially in some of those scenes where, like, uh, when they're tr- when they're uh, trying to get a hitchhike, when they're trying mm-hmm. to get a ride, and there's that whole scene where Ed O'Neill's, like, trying to get Ethan Embry to make smile fa- yeah. or make a face, make a pouty face. Yeah. That That's, all again, seems like also, improv and very also, long-winded takes forever it's like yeah i think that you know i don't know if that's uh i don't know if that's all john hughes's fault it might be uh peter finan's 
fault. I um, think that's more direction. I don't yeah, think, I, I, think I don't that, think John Hughes left that part of the script blank. Like, you fucking figure it out, you know? Yeah, I think it might have been, you know, just Peter Farman not really knowing where to cut with that and sort of, and again, on the editing side too, just, you know, figuring out where to like, you know, maybe we don't need to see like three firework scenes. Cut, cut a couple <laughs> of them out. And leave in the part where he fucking ju- <laughs> lights the bag of fireworks on fire and has to throw his jacket over top of it. Because that's probably the funniest scene. And I think where Dutch does most of its work is in the slapstick department. And then also having Ed O'Neill act sort of stupid. Um, per- maybe on purpose and sometimes not on purpose. Um, but like you said, when you talked about him really at first coming off like sort of an idiot... Um, I think there's a tonal shift there that Dutch probably should not have had. I don't, I don't think that they should have. Sometimes it feels like they want uh, Ed O'Neill to play Al Bundy. And I don't think that Dutch as a character is, is Al, Al Bundy. No. Or should be considered because Al Bundy. He, no, because he's, he's actually a hardworking person. And obviously and, he's smart. He owns and, a construction yeah, company. A pretty successful one. Again, like, like, the, like, you know, the whole, like, he's the working man. He's like, no, he owns his own construction company and yeah. they're... Pretty, you know, he's toting around two hundred dollars again. Ed O'Neill was a working man. He ain't a working man anymore. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not. It's that's literally the American dream. You know, you know, work long, you know, hard enough, and you can, you know, gain some money to invest and cap. Blah 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 blah. You know, so that's fine. I'm again fine with that because it's he got to you know a smaller version of where Doyle's as Christopher McDonald's where he is what he does who the fuck knows yeah he just, he just has money he's 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 get you know gatsby he's old money basically yeah. that's what they're kind of yeah. getting at is so just, like you know the inheritance of money yeah sort of he had to, the yeah working he, class yeah he had to earn it perfectly fine but at the same again at the same time that's not something a 12 year old is gonna like give a shit about must be this one does well I'll try and talk about i mean you know, I mean, I don't blame him for wanting to beat that kid's ass because you know, especially in the early '90s, you can get away with it then. You know, yeah. You want you know you want to shoot a BB gun at my son? Go right ahead. It's a nice little joyful moment. Now you know. Now you beat you know. I was you know I'm actually surprised of some of the things that they do now, like leaving Ethan Embry on the side of the road and having him walk to the motel. I know he says 50 miles is probably an exaggeration, but still at the same time, like, you well, do he that wouldn't, well, definitely he, wouldn't do that now. Well, he wouldn't have made it there that night. <laughs> no, <laughs> 50. for f- 50 miles, no. Uh, but you definitely would not do that now. Like, I can't imagine anybody leaving their kid on the side of the highway just being like, yeah, all right, bye. I, to be fair, he did deserve it. He did yeah. deserve consequence for it. Uh, I just can't see that happening anymore where, you know, you just... All right. Uh, hopefully you get home. If not, <laughs> well, we'll see you. See you whenever you get home. <laughs> um, so I, I do like that, like discrepancy, and that's always like a thing with John Hughes films. There's always sort of that uh, person who has it all, and then there's that person who maybe doesn't have it all, and then they have to meet in the middle somewhere. They have well, to, this like, one's sort of figure this out. This one's really forced, though. Yeah, because they go long stretches without like kind of bringing up like the disparity of their backgrounds, and then they bring it up like just as like kind of like randomly as barbs and like, oh, like you've had it all because you were born with money. Like, oh, at least I'm not poor like you. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's just, it's just ran- like, you know, it's not interwoven like. I, I, I guess the perfect example would be the Breakfast Club because you have 
six different, you know, six, seven different people of different backgrounds who have never, and in a high school, like, well, we can't relate to because we had a graduating class of 73 people, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in a big cl- school where you're not going to know everybody, so they're from different backgrounds, from different cliques, so they don't know each other, and then by spending the whole day with one another and getting to know one another, they get to know their backgrounds and get to find a commonality. That's probably the best, you know, the John Hughes film that works best in that kind of sense because it makes, within that, what's going on in the story and the plot, it makes sense for that to happen. Here it's just kind of a little bit more, it's a lot more force just because, oh, Dutch likes this rich woman's, you know, likes rich woman, but she's got, you know, a son with her ex-husband and they come from money. So, ooh, and he's stuck up. Why? Because he has money, even though he goes to a prep school where everyone has money, except the one kid he was making <laughs> fun of because he's only there because his dad's an employee. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more about, you know, that's like the sub-theme of it. I think it's more about just, you know, this disparity between this guy and this kid. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like playing Strange and Automobiles, which has the same dynamic except it's two adults in this case well the, 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 the difference there too though is steve martin's a bastard because he's like self-centered with his own needs where john candy is oblivious and kind-hearted here they're I don't, it, that's why it works because one's you know a nice guy and the other's you know the bastard yeah here, they're both, Ed O'Neill, as enjoyable as he is, he's also a bastard and like, how, like, you know, he treats this kid some at times. Yeah. And even at, even at the end, he's kind of a bastard, because he's like, look, when he beat, you know, beats up Christopher McNally, he's like, look, I'm not this kid's dad. You're his dad. Be his dad. I'm his friend. Wouldn't you, as, like, if you were going to marry Ed O'Neill, like, and, you know, he's going to be the stepfather of my son, wouldn't you want him to be like... Take out a father, you know, fatherly role, you know, like, look, if your dad's an absentee piece of shit, I'll be there for you to do Sure, that. sure, yeah. He's kind of, uh, you know, off his, you know, not, you're pushing that aside right from the get, like, nah, I'm, I have no plans on doing that, I'll never be your father. Yeah, I don't know, I mean, I think that... So, there's, so like, you know, there's no, like, whole, like, one's a good guy, good, you know, there's no good and bad, you know, they're both, both pretty... Is, Pretty bad, you know, bad on, you know... Sure. I mean, I don't... I guess guess selfish is, you know... Yeah, Ed O'Neill has, like, sort of that whole... um, He's not stuck up in the same way that Doyle is, but he has also got that sort of pig-headedness of, like, I'm not going to break, and Doyle's not going to break, so, you know, one of them Mm -hmm. has to at some point, so they keep going to extremes in order to get there. Um, I think, like, maybe we read a little bit too much into him saying that to Christopher McDonald though, because he does sort of take a liking to when Doyle tells that lady in the, uh, the uh, homeless shelter that, you know, she asks if it, he's with his dad and he says, yeah. And he says he meant it. So yeah, I think in a way he's sort of copping to that father figure, but at the same time, I don't know that he's experienced enough to really understand like, maybe as a father figure you can't really be a friend you can't really do those sorts of things where you pull out a bb gun and shoot Shoot your kid at the thanksgiving dinner table uh probably not acceptable although joe beth williams seems 
fairly in on the joke. She's just like, <laughs> well, at first funny. he's kind of mortified, and then yeah. then like he's like, ah, and then and like, ah, <laughs> what know. you know? She kind of laughs at it, like even though she doesn't know the in joke at all. Obviously, they've never seen the Royal Ten Bobs when you yeah. know Gene Hackman shot young Ben Stiller. He got that BB got lodged in his yeah. hand forever, stuck with it. Yeah, so it's permanent disability. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. It's not fun to shoot BBs at people. Yeah. I mean, well, it's fun, but I mean, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I think while the um the the actual like travel can run a little long, and it's sort of like a planes, trains, and automobiles. You it's literally it's planes, trains, and automobiles, but literally the same without the flight and the train. Just you know. yeah, because like you get the the whole. I just watched planes, trains, and automobiles. There's a a bus trip. You have Doyle seeing like this other these people on the bus, and he sort of yeah. gets a reprimanding from these people on the bus. Same thing in planes, trains, and automobiles when he sees the couple making out on the on the bus. There's like it's almost like a scene for scene remake, like, remake of planes, trains, and automobiles, except we're gonna substitute gotta have characters a, you know, and cars gotta get you know destroyed somehow. Yeah, so like oh, what do we do? Now? Yeah, exactly. It was like John Hughes was just sort of recycling. Uh, and ma- like making a different scenario out of it. So I mean, it's interesting. There's also you know the Hughes way of getting like an overly sentimental theme going on while like they learn about life in general. So as Doyle learns about like how people in a homeless shelter might live, that is very different from like his own perspective on life. There's a very very loud sentimental theme going on. Like, There's a very loud sentimental theme going th- on throughout this entire film. Yeah. It's very obnoxious. It's, it's definitely like a lot of Hughes films, like Christmas Vacation has it, um, Home Alone, both one and two have it, as Kevin kind of finds out, like, here's how the other side lives, you know, Pigeon yeah. Lady and a uh, guy who <laughs> well, gets called anything, a murderer in, well, our, in our village. If anything, I, I do like Home Alone too. That's literally the same thing as Dutch. It's a recycling of the of Home Alone. True. It's literally like a shot for shot. Like, did Kevin and the, his family learn nothing from the years past? Yeah. Nope. You know, like... Do it again. Oh, Kevin had to learn again not to judge people just by... Because they look <laughs> kind of creepy. Yeah. By, you know, meeting Pigeon Lady and going to the opera. Oh, okay. You know, it's you know it's the same thing here. It's It's, again, this is... Not well paced, not as well thought out. Planes, trains, and automobiles. I th- yeah, I think we find that too. Like with John Hughes films, uh, I believe Home Alone Two is like two hours long. It's a very long movie for what it is, and I think that um, maybe that was one of John Hughes's biggest flaws is that he doesn't really know when to cut out certain scenes from, you know, well, that, that are maybe unnecessary or redundant. Well, he didn't, he does not, he, like, he's in control of editing, so he's No, true, going. but but his script itself may run long on, you know, scenes that he's putting in, maybe some are redundant, they really don't, you know, they, they do the same thing over and over again. However, I am very glad that they didn't take out the scene where they go into the restaurant and they're all bloody and dirty from <laughs> uh, getting beaten up. No, because that's and- actually funny. The fucking rich uh, yeah. white people are so concerned over this homeless, uh, these homeless people that they just bring them to a homeless shelter. No, That's they're not even homeless. They just said they've been no, on the yeah, road, no, and they're no. like, and like, yeah, we're trying to get to Chicago. It's like, oh, you're gonna help them get to Chicago? Nope. Here's this homeless shelter. Hey, your dad's trying. He's doing his best. <laughs> He's doing his best. 
I just love when uh, the woman gasps after they say that uh, they their car was uh, you know their robbed. car was wrecked and they were robbed. And she's like, <gasps> and he's like, honey, it's okay, it's okay. I loved when Ed O'Neill Pat Doyle on the back <laughs> yeah. and just tired. <laughs> Dust cloud. I know. I, I yeah, think the slapstick does a lot of the work here, but Ed O'Neill is really great too. I'm thinking of the scene in when they're riding with the prostitutes and she squirts uh, the moisturizer into his mouth, and he has to do a lot of work with that, just, just like, like the facial expressions of be like a dog that just, just like, licked like, peanut butter or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's great. It, that's probably one of his best moments. You know who that was? Yeah, E.G. Daly. Yeah. 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 Tom Pickles. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Showing a little bit of skin here <laughs> as a call girl. Yeah. I didn't want to say prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very inappropriate for the one uh, call girl that uh, uh, Doyle liked constantly like, looking at him. Oh, like, she was eyeing him up and down. And, like, no bite, wonder he yeah, got yeah, the wrong I know, idea. I know. She's like looking at him, like biting her, like her bottom lip, like, mm, like. I know. Yeah. No, it's. You no know what? No wonder why he passed out on her titties and woke up, you know, drooling on them the next <laughs> I'll tell you, the scene uh, where they're in the diner and uh, T- Ed O'Neill always talks... He said talk- hotcakes. You hot- know what? It made me mad. No, they're pancakes. I know, but... It, we're not in the, you know, fucking every, Midwest. Every time he says that, hotcakes and bacon on a cold day really does make me want pancakes and bacon. It really does. Every time. I don't know why, but... Uh, it's just like your friend from Connecticut that's called him... Called it a snow thrower, not a snow blower. What about if he had uh, called it flapjacks? How would you feel about that? See, no, that's more like you know, that's fine because that's more like a like a Paul Bunyan type, like oh, I want some flapjacks, you know? Yeah, mm. oat cakes, <laughs> going Red Dead style. But uh, no, so I'm getting the feeling that you thought Dutch was an okay film. But it pales in comparison to like some of John Hughes's better works, like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Home Alone. I wouldn't even say Home Alone's. In, like, I don't really. I like. It's, you don't like Home Alone. I like it, but I mean, I think it's kind of overrated. <clears throat> wow. I would say that not. The I mean, first the, one. I mean, I don't think the first. No, one's overrated. well, no, the second one's not overrated because it's now uh, people are kind of. I, look, I again. It's not that I don't like Home Alone. Maybe we'll do it for the Christmas. Maybe, yeah. I, it's more that just I probably seen it too many times in my life for uh, a while. Seen it quite a bit. I yeah, no, it I, it's one. Of the, it's up there, like probably my top five most watched films. Like that <laughs> Space Jam. Space Jam's definitely number one because I can't tell you how many times I saw that as a kid. Like every other day, I was watching Space yeah. Jam. But um, it's I I don't know. Like it's. I mean, Breakfast Club is always going to be my number one. For John Hughes film? Yes, because it just hits all the right notes. Yeah. Um, hits the 80s nostalgia. Oh, it's got Emilio in it. It's got Emilio. The best, you know, <laughs> the best sheen. Unless you're Susan Waldman, she thinks Martin is. What about, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I this is probably... Bottom tier. Yeah, it's probably John Hughes's, one of John Hughes's... Uh, Lesser films, I would say probably like, I don't know. Do do I put this above European Vacation? Maybe. Mm, I don't think I do. You think European Vacation think, is better? I think that's got more a little bit more. Cause at least like overall, like Bev D'Angelo and 
Chevy Chase are both pretty really funny in it. Uh-huh. In this, it's literally just the Ed O'Neill show. As much as I love Chris, uh, Chris McDonald and I think he's a terrific actor, he's in, literally in this film for five minutes. Granted, he does not waste those five minutes. But he's not in the uh, this film. One of the biggest uh, criticism I can lay against it. Not enough Christopher McDonald in it. True. I think that's... that's. I mean, I Smarmy check-ins with him... He does like, a lot of work. Smarmy check-ins with him would have been great. Like, you know, be like... Like, oh, what's... I wonder what... Like, just have like Doyle be like, I wonder what Dad's doing. Like, why didn't he come get me? And show him, like, you know, motorboat and titties on a riverboat or something. Honestly, you know? he really does a good... Christopher McDonald really has a lot of good lines... That he delivers like offhandedly, like uh, when Joe Beth Williams meets him at the door, yeah. thinking that it's Ed O'Neill, and kisses him, and she looks really disappointed, <laughs> like she might vomit. And he's like, "Oh, you were expecting the mailman." <laughs> it's just like a really offhanded yeah. comment, but he does get some of yeah. the best lines. No, no, again, he's great, but again, he's only in the film for like five minutes, so it's it's that's the problem. Like, a check in with Dad would be great. That one time when Doyle calls, actually calls him, it's just that one chick that picks up and he's just lying in bed. Couldn't have him, like, having, like, a, oh, hey, sport, hey, you know. So, this is interesting. I didn't know this, but Dutch is actually released after Home Alone. I thought Home Alone was 92. 1990. Was, Home Alone 2 is, is 1992. So, this is actually in between Home Alone and Home Alone 2, which is interesting. So, this, he literally then just rehashed Home Alone and playing strings. On yeah, kind of like combine them together. Um, the one, one thing I wonder about that is, was Dutch completed as a screenplay before Home Alone? Because it almost seems like it was, but I, I don't know that. Well, like I said, you, from what I've seen before and like uh, talks about John Hughes, when he would write a s- screenplay, he kind of just like locked himself away for a couple of days, pumped it out, pumped it out, and then there's your screenplay. Yeah. So who the hell knows? But I mean, interesting. Interesting. <sighs> Didn't know that. Then you got stuff like Uncle Buck, which would have come before uh, Dutch, but. After playing trains and automobiles, so he was really returning to sort of the same ideas, kind of over and over again. But uh, with Dutch, maybe it maybe it was just that you know you were you know you didn't think that it worked out as well as some of the other films that maybe it was just the dynamic of the film. Really, he did Beethoven. Yes, he did write Beethoven, written as Edmund Dantes. You know, Beethoven's an underrated film. Yeah. I love Beethoven. <laughs> uh, all right, so I guess we. I don't know. Will... I don't know why, but I always think of Heather's as a John Hughes film. Yeah, well, it's like in that uh, era. I know. I know it that, is like, sort of. I know it's not, but like every time I, I see it, I you know. Yeah. I don't know. All right, so I guess what we'll do then is we will sort of give a rating to Dutch to see how you think it fares. So out of ten, hot cakes and bacon mm, on a cold winter's day. Sexy, always <laughs> sexy. Bacon burps are the best. You know what? We I don't. I, why didn't you go with racy playing cards? <laughs> 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 
That's a word I never really hear is racy anymore. No one ever uses well, racy. My grandfather probably would have used racy, but well, because the the barrier's been broken. Yeah, and with all these hot tots walking around, you don't go with racy you know, anymore. With that Kim Kardashian walking with her ass out all the time, you know, there's no more racy after that. Yeah, it's been broken. I, I just that that always strikes me is that you never. Really use the term racy. It's just, you know, well, although it's, I well, think it's only a hop skipping away from I'm, racism. I'm pretty so, sure so. we did have a set of racy playing cards at one point at my house. I remember them. They're not as racy as you might think. It's basically like a woman with like a bikini top on, but they're like with tassels, you know. Well, this one just had like nipply the, tassels, had the, had the pasties on, yeah. the, on the, which I always found amazing. Like, oh, you can see the whole boob, with the nipple covered. Where the milk comes from. Well, it's kind of like the Japanese porn. Like, yeah, yeah you get to watch it all. P and V? Censored. <laughs> all right, but we'll go with hotcakes <laughs> and bacon. Ten hotcakes out of ten hotcakes and bacon. Um, I'll give it a five and a half. Okay. Um, this film's too long. There are scenes that drag on for way too long. May- one of the main ones being the whole... Fireworks scene and the making faces to try to get a hitchhike for a ride. This is a blatant rehash of planes, trains, and automobiles, and a little bit of Home Alone, but mainly planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, it's just not that like it's got its comedic moments, but it's overall not nothing really made me laugh out loud. That I thought was like overwhelming, hilarious. I think Ed O'Neill is great in it. Cause I think Ed O'Neill is actually a really good actor, um, and kind of underutilized at times in his you know career. It's kind of sad he hasn't had more theatrical roles over his lifetime. Hmm. Um, for how great he was on Married with Children, and yeah, I don't think he's really upset you know, though, since he's in Modern Family, probably making bank now. No, I know. Well, the, probably the same thing with Married with Children too. So you know, yeah. But, you know, so, I mean, Ed O'Neill's the glue that makes this film interesting. If he wasn't in it, it'd probably be a really boring uh, adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the biggest critiques I have against it is you have Christopher McDonald in it and you don't use him. You, you have him have, like, four good one-liners that he's used for, and they're great. But the man, the man deserves more screen time. He's... An American treasure. It's also missing John Candy, who was basically showing up in almost every John Hughes film in this time frame. So, that's he, an issue. He probably wasn't in great health by that point year, though. Um, I mean, he only, I mean, he died in ninety five or ninety six. Like, yeah. Mean, so I mean, he, I, he had just shown up in in Home Alone in nineteen ninety. So yeah, it's not like he had a big. No, he didn't. He was uh, the, the Poker, Poker King. King in the Northwest. So. But uh, I, just another thing that doesn't have going for it as a John Hughes film. Um, I would get, I'd give this film a 7.5. I do like it. Um, I find it a lot of fun, even though it does have some editing and pacing issues. Um, I think they could have cut down on some of those longer scenes uh, that seem to go on as though they're improv 
uh, like the fireworks scene. And they probably were. Yeah. Like the magic tr- trick with the the playing cards, which, you know, and it, it sort of goes on Is that supposed to be like titillating the way he's like fingering the card? Like I think up? it's supposed to be a magic trick. You know what I mean? Like how he gets it to come up with his finger. I know, but the way like, he, like yeah, he's like, know, using it, like, like he's gonna... is that supposed to be like, like, like foreplay? Like, maybe. Like, I'm gonna show, you, show you the three knuckle shuffle, kid. Maybe. Get him in the mood. Yeah. There is a lot of... Uh, little careless whisper. It's a we- weird dynamic between them where Doyle um, admits that he got horny. And Ed O'Neill sort of gets a smile on his face like, yeah, you did. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's nice. That's great, right? It's a little weird. I, as a how's father, your, I probably wouldn't... It's like, how's your first... <clears throat> yeah, imagine having that talk, like, yeah, if your dad yeah, said... Yeah, a wet dad, dream, like, didn't it's, you? It's, it's like, how's your first boner, son? Yeah, right? Yeah. You saw American Pie, I know. You saw Nadia. Yeah. No, I... I Probably wouldn't do that myself, but uh, a little strange. But yeah, I would say that there's some editing issues here, some pacing issues. Perhaps not John Hughes' fault. I think maybe Peter Feynman let things go on a little too long, could have cut some things down. Yeah, uh, probably, really, probably editor probably didn't know where to cut. Like, exactly. And, and, and it could have made it into a nice and manageable 90-minute film that probably would have been in and out, and you wouldn't need anything more. Uh, there's a few scenes that are here that really don't seem to make a difference. Um, just to add sort of antics to an already stuffed film. Um, and the oh, other, I see what you did. Thanksgiving, right? Right, exactly. The other thing that's that, that's an issue is that Thanksgiving is really not uh, a big component of this film. Um, it, it's there. Like, this is Thanksgiving week. And, and they're trying to get home yeah, for... Yeah, which, again, get there. same same thing from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but that's more of like a the, like Steve Martin concept. Go get back, you know, Thanksgiving, damn it, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Though, though the one guy in the bathroom with the gap teeth washing himself in the sink <laughs> saying, you ready for your, your free Thanksgiving turkey? That's pretty great. I like that. Uh, but R- Run into that before in my life. Yeah. Not in the bathroom, but, you know, yeah. like, just, like, creepy people. Like, oh, ready for your Christmas ham? Are you ready for your Thanksgiving turkey? <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah. Which, I, which, I'm not ashamed to say, I've been there before, kind of, like, in a bathroom. after like, sweating really hard, like, patting my <laughs> armpit. Like, like oh, gee, I'm, like, starting, like, you know. How you doing? <laughs> Seeing somebody else come in. Uh, yeah, I'm caught. caught no, I never, no, I, no, I've never, never done it. Like, no, I wouldn't do it in, like, in, uh, where, you know, others could walk in, place. but... Uh, yeah, no, I haven't had to do that before. Like, Jesus Christ, we're in too much right now. So, yeah, I would agree that, you know, this may be not be John Hughes' best film. I do think it's a serviceable movie to watch for Thanksgiving since, like, you really don't have that many choices to watch for Thanksgiving either. you got planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, and then... You got what Dutch. Else? Dutch. And then Alice's Restaurant. Yeah. If you want to watch that. Why not? I don't. You don't like the 20-minute-long Arlo Guthrie song about... No. Oh my god, it's amazing! Uh, or uh, pieces of April, the last watch. you can watch the last waltz. Is that on uh, Thanksgiving? Is that around Thanksgiving? The band's concert, yeah, set, uh-huh. uh, yeah, they did it on Thanksgiving. Everyone got a free tur- every one in the audience got a free turkey. Well, there the you go. Yeah, there's a couple other. We did Thanksgiving Killing last year. You can see, uh, you know, well, I I think they edited it now, but in the original cut, you can see like a coke hanging from Neil Young's like nose because oh. they're all like coked out of their mind. Nice, Very nice. nice. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, that con- yeah, that concert was taking place <coughs> on Thanksgiving. But I think uh, but that's it. That's like the four films right there: Alice's Restaurant, The Last Waltz, Dutch, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, I know Pieces of April takes. I've never seen it myself, but 
Um, then maybe it should be called Pieces of November. So. <laughs> Uh, so, but I think, I think Dutch is really fun and I think Ed O'Neill does a really great job with it. Ethan Embry, you know, he's all right. He's all right. He's a little kid. He's just like, hello, right? Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yeah. I think, old, I think an older, an older he one. He does too. have some good deliveries, I think. He's, At times, yeah. but the, the whole like pomp is Richie Rich, like sort of seems forced. Making me think of uh monkey man and Hey Arnold, like marvelously, you know. Ugh, makes me shudder. So I would I would give Dutch a seven and a half. Well, you're kinder to it than I'm. I am very kind to it. I do I do prefer these holiday John Hughes films anyway. So I'm partial to them already. Well, it's not the worst John Hughes film. That's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's the worst because it's got Matthew Broderick. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, but uh, all right. So that's it. So we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and obviously we speak to the American people. If you're Canadian, fuck off. Cause your Thanksgiving's <laughs> in a weird time in October <laughs> before Halloween. That's weird. I mean, ours is weird. It's the third Thursday. I know. I mean, no, no, fourth Thursday. I think we'd, I think hey, it's the third or fourth. I, I don't know. I just, it's the third Thursday. Yeah. I see. I'm not good with holidays. I just know like your last Thursday. What like, I, no, it's the third Thursday. It's the third Thursday. Cause yeah. like when it comes to like, Plot in Easter. Yeah, it's a, it's a is it in April? Is it in March this year? Who the f- just yeah. look at the calendar? That's what it's there for. Well, I don't get holidays off anyway, and I've never have, so, and I don't get holiday pay. So for the past, you know, ten years, the holidays to me have been. Hmm. But just so everybody knows, ours is the correct Thanksgiving. <laughs> Canadians have a weird Thanksgiving, so that's why we did this episode for Thanksgiving <laughs> for American Thanksgiving. Obviously, I'm just joking. I have a Canadian friend, so if he's listening, he should be. You're weird. He should be with your weird Thanksgivings. Um, all right, so we will be back in two weeks to start our Christmas movie marathon. Uh, we always do sort of the Christmas episodes. I forget what we call them. Festivus. Yeah, fest the Festivus series. And uh, we are we we ran out of diehards because Die Hard <laughs> three does not take place in Christmas, so uh, we plan to move on to Lethal Weapon. It just <laughs> makes sense to do Lethal Weapon uh, instead, uh, which, as maybe some people know, some people don't. It it is set, uh, around Christmas, which I told until you mentioned yeah, something. You it's know. a Christmas movie. It's, I, it may not be very Christmassy, but Frosty the Snowman gets blown up in a house and stuff like that. So it's Christmassy. It's, I would say it I seems like I, 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 we'll, we'll see because I have not seen Lethal Weapon in years and years and years. But I think Die Hard's Christmassy-er than Lethal Weapon. Seems like just yesterday we were remembering yeah, the, <laughs> the, the brave Irishman. Miles O'Brien from Star Trek <laughs> Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. Yep. Uh, um, and so we're going to do Lethal Weapon. Obviously, we've got to do Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4. We're moving on to Part 4. I've, this this is uncharted territory for me. I've never seen them. <laughs> I've never gone on past... Well, after Warm Side three. of the Door, how can you, you know... All right. You just go back to what you know. You just go back to well, the best. Well, that in Garbage Day. Yeah. You know, those, those are... Yeah, and it's funny because Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 is getting a re, uh, re-release this year on I Blu-ray think I as well. I remake. And no, no, world. re-release. Mm-hmm. So we got Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4. Uh, and then uh, probably the Santa Claus 2 because, you know, continuing the Santa Claus series. It just gets worse from here. 
So we have one more that we said we were gonna do. At least we did privately. I think I would rather do it than the Santa Claus too. If we're gonna do be doing like nineties, two thousands Christmas movies. What did we say we we're gonna do? Jingle all the way. Oh, jingle all the way. Yeah, it's a fun one. So I, you wanna you wanna supplement that for Santa Claus two instead? Yeah, there's no point in doing it. So you wanna do three? I think we'll probably only have time to do three. No, so four. You think we do four? Well, yeah. To, we, All right. So you want to do? We have to do Lethal Weapon. Yeah, because that was your idea. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Four is a must. Yeah. Jingle all the way. Okay. And then the fourth one. Don't know. We didn't come up with the fourth one. Well, we usually do four. Yeah, we normally do four. So, yeah, we probably we'll probably be able to do four. If we actually, if we start it in two weeks. Will that be yeah. the beginning of December? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Okay. Yeah. So we'll be able to do four. We're going to have a little overrun. It's not like we're doing that's, New Year's. We're true. not doing New Year's Evil 2, for God's nah, sakes. That's true. We, already, we did the, 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 one <laughs> the one New and Year's Evil. One and only. One New Year's Eve movie that I can think of. There's probably more New Year's God, movies. We have gotten so beaten off the track from Jalos. Uh, yeah, that's true. You know what? I want to do a Western 2 in honor of Red Dead 2 coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, a rootin it's just not a good time period to root, do it. Rootin' tootin' shootin' cowboy too. It's not a good time period. We're yeah, in, you know what? That's we're what, into the holiday season. Yeah, now. you know what? That's what Battlefield Five said when it saw all the games that were coming out. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not f- a good time. <laughs> it's not a good. <laughs> not a good time. All right, uh, we will be back in two weeks to start out our Christmas holiday season, and we hope you listen in. We haven't really picked which which ones are going to go first. But. I'll do it then. We'll do Jingle All the Way You want to do Jingle All the Way first? We'll, we'll, right. s- we'll start with something lighthearted and and uh, Sinbad-y. And Arnoldy. <laughs> Turbo Mama. And, uh, yeah, so, all right, so we'll start oh, with Jingle we, All the Way. Do, next, do it the next time. Oh, Phil, Hart, Phil Hartman's last role. I know. And he's really good in playing trains and automobiles, too, just bringing that up. I know. He, Phil Hartman's always great. He was an American treasure who was lost way too soon, but... Do you think it's safe to drive this vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we will be back in two weeks. Jingle all the way. Catch us for our Christmas and holiday episodes, if you're Jewish. <laughs> we will call them holiday episodes. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com. So Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We're on uh, Twitter at Blood and Black Rum we have a Stitcher page. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, we're on it. So subscribe to us, leave us a nice review. We have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to donate to us to help with our uh, podcasting costs, you can donate to us on our patron page at bloodandblackrumpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, there's a patron o- option in there. So if you donate at least a dollar a month, uh, you get access to our episodes early. So keep that in mind. Help us pay for the podcast. Thank you for listening. Catch us in two weeks for our Christmas episodes, and we hope to see you back. Take care. <laughs>